Well, welcome. I'm glad to be here. How many of you, this is your first time here? Raise your hand. First time. First time. Are you sure? Raise your hand. First time? First time? All right, second time. Third? Fourth? Fifth? Six, seven, eight, nine. Who has ten or more? Raise your hand. All right, so ten more times. All right, so, so we're going to show you uh, one thing that Uncle Paul talked about uh, how long I've been coming, and many people have been here many years. So, I'm going to show you. There's a picture of me right here. You see, it's pretty snazzy, huh? Yeah, so this is one of the things I had in my suitcase or nearby. I had this uh, toy uh, musket, and behind me is my friend Audrey. So she's a teacher in the Tri-Cities area here. And anybody know this year? It's a good year. It's the first year I came to camp. Was at a fall retreat, and that was the year 1989. So I first came here in 1989. So next year it'll be 30 years I've been coming to camp. So haha, I beat you. <laughs> All right, how many 30-year-olds here? Okay, I hope not since you're in high school, junior high. Hope you haven't been held back that long. So, yeah, so this is a older picture. Now a more recent picture. This is my dad on the right, uh, one of the speakers. Uh, Paul mentioned him. It's my wife, Lindsay, in the middle, and she's back there working the sound and computer. So you say, hey, Lindsay. Hey, Lindsay. That was weak. Try it again. Hey, Lindsay. Hey, Lindsay. That's better, that's better. So, and fast forward a few years, so this now brings us up to date. For some people, that would be 2012. And an even more recent picture you'll see here is of us in our uniforms. So, who are we and what do we do? Well, again, my name is Andy Moser, and my wife, Lindsay, is here with me. She's in the back. And what are our jobs? Well, our jobs are a couple of things. We're both teachers. We've taught in different schools and different colleges and universities. And we're also both uh, officers in the Air Force, and specifically we are chaplains. So I am a Air Force chaplain and just came back from that, did different training. I'm stationed overseas at Osan Air Base in Korea, so where all the fun is. So I was in Korea, but most recently we've lived in Virginia. That's my home state and hometown is in Roanoke, about three hours from here. But before that we lived far, far away. And what is the furthest country from here you could think of? Somebody raise their hand. What comes to mind? Furthest country, yeah. Japan. Japan's pretty far. Yeah. Australia. Australia. It's getting warmer. What's near Australia? Anybody know? Yeah. Yeah, New Zealand. So let's see a map here. So yeah, from Virginia, we flew to Los Angeles, California, and then down to Sydney, Australia, and from Sydney, Australia to Auckland, New Zealand. So where Lord of the Rings is filmed, Peter Jackson's from, all that, that's where we lived in Auckland, New Zealand. So people talk about Australia being down under. New Zealand is actually further down under than Australia. If you keep flying about two or three hours further down, you'll hit what? Antarctica. So yeah, we're about four hours from Antarctica. So New Zealand is far, far away. They're actually 18 hours ahead if you set your clock. So go like that and think ahead. It's actually tomorrow, today, there. Think about it. All right, so this is where we find a little bit of background. So I first came in 1989, came many years since then, had different roles, and I'll tell you about those at our next meeting. And my wife and I are both teachers and chaplains, and we lived in New Zealand the last two years and just moved back to Virginia not long ago. So how many of you have been to New Zealand? 
How many of you have been to Australia? How many of you have been to Virginia? All right, there you go. We picked up some common ground there. So, that's what we're looking at today. But our theme this weekend is tied to Star Wars and knowing the Force. So we're going to show you some things related to that. If you have your Bibles, if you don't, lucky you, put words on the screen. But if you do have your Bibles, open up to the New Testament. I want to go to Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. I'll try to make this exciting and entertaining, but also useful to you. So some things you can take with you. Bless you. I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 4. And if we had to pick a title for this message, something to go along with this, uh, you'll see how this ties in in a minute, both to our theme about having the force, using the force, and uh, you want to be a, a good uh, warrior and talk about different Jedi Knights and such like that. So today we're going to say, if we had a title, we call it the perfect warrior. The perfect warrior. And we get a picture of that here in Matthew. So Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 43. Very short passage. We're going to read that here. If you have your Bibles, you can look that with me. If not, you can look at the words on the screen. It says, this is Jesus speaking, he says, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you to love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are you not even the tax collectors doing that. And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So, interesting passage. And before we go, we're going to say a quick word of prayer and pray for your sneezing, pray for the message. Dear Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to be here and thank you for each person is here. It's not by chance that they've come and uh, are here. So I pray that you would bless them in listening, bless them in their activities, bless them in this whole weekend, and may we have a good time and we be encouraged to be around uh, you and your fellow believers. Pray that you bless our time now as only you can. I ask all this in your precious name. Amen. All right, so Matthew is the gospel. And what does gospel mean? Anybody know? What's gospel mean? Yeah? Good news. Good news. So gospel is just a different word for saying the good news. Now the good news they're talking about here is the gospel talking about Jesus. So people need to live right, upright, be good, in fact be perfect. And Matthew's giving you a little taste of that here. So some of the key words if we look along this I've underlined and highlighted. It says tax collectors. That's one. So that's an odd word. Tax collectors and others pagan. Finally we want you to be perfect. So if you think about tax collectors, uh, in today's time, they're not scary people, um, but they're just going to be sort of unpopular people. Why? Because they're coming to what? Collect your money. Collect your money. Collect your taxes. Back then, in ancient times, in the ancient Middle East, they're even more unpopular because not only were they taking your money to pay the tax, they would take extra money on top of that. What we would call today basically embezzling or stealing. So they're not popular 
especially among the Hebrews. So people would say, can we have a tax? Yeah. Can we have more than that? And they could take it. So he mentions tax collectors because they're generally not regarded as nice people. After that, he mentions also the pagans. Who are these? People who don't believe in God. Like Uncle Paul mentioned in the skit, people who are acting wild and crazy. They're far removed. Now, he mentions these people, but not in a bad way. He says, actually, these people are nice, nicer than we are as believers sometimes. So, with that said, I'm going to give you some examples. How many of you have been riding along with your parents, or perhaps you, if you've got your license, you're out and about, you've been pulled over? Anybody been pulled over? State trooper or something? Town cop, whatever it is? Pulled over? Is it a good feeling? Not a good feeling. So the lights come on behind, woo, and pull it over like that. A guy walks up, and he says, tap on the window there. He says, morning, sir, morning, ma'am. How are you doing today? Could I see your license and registration? They pull that out, and he says, all right, let me go check this. We'll come back in a minute. And so you're nervous there, and you say, well, uh, sort of like a tax collector. He may, he may be taking things from me soon. Might be money, might be my license, might be something else. But what do we say? Even in doing that, he is nice and polite. You'll say, can I see your license? Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. You can hear your parents maybe do this. Or if you watch shows on TV, you'll see have a standard procedure. They'll come and look at that. And you say, so this guy is not a nice person. Or in some respects, he's not going to be bringing good news. But yet even in what he's doing, he's being polite. And he's being uh professional and a lot better than you could say we are perhaps as believers so bible points to this so if you would substitute maybe instead of tax collectors think of a policeman or you think of somebody coming to, to audit you or a principal calling you into their office they're going to be generally polite and they're going to be professional even if they're bringing bad news so that's what it say now when we think of polite there's one place that i think of and you probably think of too What's the most polite restaurant you can eat at? Chipotle. Chipotle? Uh, starts with C, too. Chick-fil-A. So if you go in and you say, uh, can I order this and order that? Number three, eight piece. Number three, 12 piece. Maybe if I'm hungry and I go through and you get out there and you say, here's your order number. And you turn around and you say, thank you. What do they say? My pleasure. My pleasure. My pleasure. One time I wanted to throw them off, I'd just come up and say that me saying thank you. Before they could say thank you, I want to say my pleasure. See, throw them off. And they don't know what to say in return to that. I say, you know, thank you. I say, it's my pleasure. Uh, no, it's my pleasure. No, it's, it's my pleasure. So if you ever want to mess with people at Chick-fil-A, you say it's my pleasure when you go to hand them your credit card or something. Say, could I have your credit card? Yeah, it's my pleasure. And they go, oh, no, thank you. No, thank you. So, okay, so yeah, Chick-fil-A is very polite. But other restaurants, maybe not as much. If you work at McDonald's, you work at other uh, fast food places, they want to get you in and out, and usually their polite level starts to go down. And so Chick-fil-A really thrives to be better than their competitors or other people out and about. And so that's what they're saying here. As Christians, we should be better than those people around us. Even policemen, even tax collectors, even people who are bringing bad news or correction or different things sort of we think of as bad in our lives are generally polite and professional. And this even makes us look bad. They're putting us to shame because of how they act. The rest of the verse, they give you some other advice. He says you need to love your enemy, pray for those who persecute you, 
And be nice to people besides in your friends and family. You say, well, it sounds straightforward, but it's not something we often do. Because again, you're like, well, I'm nice to my mom, I'm nice to my dad, I'm sometimes nice to my brother, and sometimes, maybe. You know, my younger sister, yeah, I could take them or leave them. But we're generally nice to these people, but not people out and about. And so it says, hey, even the pagans, even really super bad people are nice to their family and friends. So we need to be like Chick-fil-A. We need to be like, in fact, Christ and be better than that. So not only be nice to the people we're expected to be nice to, but be nice to other people we may not want to as well. And so, in other words, he wants us to be perfect. So you say, well, that's pretty easy to do. Uh, Say that sarcastically. It's easy to be perfect. Anybody got perfect grades in here? Perfect grades, okay. One point shy. It's not perfect. So, people say, do I have perfect grades? Well, I certainly do not. Going up through high school, the different classes, I take honors classes, take AP classes, take dual enrollment classes, lots of those. And I took Algebra 1 in ninth grade. I took Geometry in 10th grade. And I liked them both so much, I took them twice. What does that mean? Yeah, I failed them, so I had to take them again in summer school. Yeah, so I do not have perfect grades because I didn't do perfectly well in the subject. In fact, I failed the subject. So my grades aren't perfect. And, uh, you know, I get papers back sometimes at the top. You see these people that they sort of hide their grades. Other people, you know, they, they don't care what they get. And it's like, I got a 42. <laughs> Why are you bragging, you know? And the other people, yeah, well, I did better than you. You got a 36. Yeah, but we both failed. So, I mean, you know, not too much to brag. And then everybody gets an F at the top. What's F stand for? Fail. Fail. I tried to convince people it stood for fine, but they didn't believe me. I was like, yeah, what would you get an F? I said, I think F means fine now, and E is excellent. So, you know, trying to turn the F into an E, but can't convince people of that. So, yeah, I failed. But other subjects I did well in, so that's reasonable. Some people can do better in one subject than another. And you work to get a good GPA. What's a perfect GPA in many schools? It's a 4.0. So going on to college and other things, I did the same way. I had to take physics, had to take statistics, had to take other classes, and I didn't do well in those. I passed them, but you say, okay, I got a C or I got a D. But yeah, I retake some more tests, do better, and I pass the class. My wife, on the other hand, did even better. So she would get all A's, Last thing she got was a B. And so many years over there, you start to see GPA rise up 3.8, 3.9, 4.0. So she has a perfect GPA. So she has a perfect GPA. I'm not so much, a little lower there. But all the same, we're perfect in certain areas, but not all. So we can't be perfect. So sarcastically, people will say, yeah, you want us to be perfect. You want us to be like Jesus. No, oh, that's easy. No, it's not very easy. And so we picture Jesus oftentimes and people will say, well, there's Jesus. We see him on church posters. We see him in cathedrals and different things. And people say, yeah, why don't you be like Jesus? It's pretty easy, right? No, it's not easy. And other people say, yeah, well, I, I can be like Jesus, you know, because Jesus had long hair and drank wine. I said, Jesus also healed people and prayed regularly. You want to do those things too, you can. But uh, no, people pick and choose what they want to be good at or how they want to emulate people they admire how they want to act like Jesus but what the Bible says here is we need to be like Jesus all the time be perfect you say how can we really be perfect well that perfect 
in the Bible is different from what we think of. It's not all A's. It's not a 4.0. It's not making the most you can at your job or being the highest level position you can in your job. He wants us to be holy. I mean, he wants us to be complete to say we're going to continually point our efforts to God and let him improve us and we do better and better. So yeah, I failed algebra one the first time and when I took it again, yeah, I passed. And what does that mean? Well, that's a check mark on my grade. I don't have to take it again. Wholly done with that. So it's the same way God says, if you fail, we're going to help you. We're going to retake things. We're going to check that off. And this is how we begin to be perfect. And the closer we get over the years of studying, of following, and leading by example, and following by example here, then the closer we're going to be like Jesus. So that's the passage that we begin with. If you have your Bibles again, I want you to flip back to another passage. Turn back to the Old Testament in Genesis. So we looked at Matthew as the first book of the New Testament. Now we're going to Genesis and the first book of the Old Testament. You say it's easy to be uh, like some people because they're not perfect. But it's not very easy to be like uh, Jesus because he's perfect. So if that's an excuse in your head, it's a reasonable one, or if that's something somebody would raise their hand and say, I can't be like Jesus because he's perfect and I can't be perfect. Well, we'll give you some more examples. And a great example we find in the Old Testament in Genesis is Joseph. And Joseph is going to be not a perfect individual like Jesus, but a perfect example of how we can follow God and how we can become a little bit more perfect in our walk with him. So, looking at Genesis 41 under the title, Pharaoh's Dream. You put your finger there, hold it for a second. Now, if you watch TV, most any shows, the worst thing that you could see come along on TV is to be continued. So you're watching something, it, it builds up, builds up, a guy pulls out a gun, you know, they're chasing down a criminal, and the guy's about to fall out of the window, the guy's about to take a shot, whatever it is, and it says, to be continued to be continued. Why is this bad? Well, it's bad because you might have to get up and go do something if the next episode's coming on right afterwards. Or you might have to wait a week and then you forget when it comes on you might be doing something else. So you come back to that and you say, to be continued. So now, television shows and movie companies and so on, they, they've decided we're going to help you pick up where you left off on. So what will they say? At the top of the screen, they'll say, previously on dot, 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 and they show previously on. One of the shows that most often does this is NCIS. NCIS, I think, should have ended a long time ago. It still keeps going, so they're, they're doing everything they can to draw this out, and so it'll say previously on NCIS, and they'll show somebody, and then they recap the whole story to say, you know, Gibbs did this, he went to the airport, chased this person, Abby found this out, and they show you about a five or ten minute recap of what happened last time, previously on NCIS, and then they recap. Well, that's what we're going to do here in Genesis, looking at Joseph. I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but I'm going to do a previous sort of thing and recap what's happened to him. Joseph has not had a good life. Many things have gone wrong for Joseph. So if we were to picture this and say, previously on Adventures with Joseph, Remember, Joseph is our example. If you say, Jesus is perfect, I, I can't live up to that. Well, Joseph is going to be another example. might be a little more achievable for us. And it points back to Jesus and God all the same. Joseph here in chapter 41 
is coming up to what we would say is the climax of this episode, where they stopped it from last time, had a to be continued, now it's where it picks up. And we're not going to read all that, but I'm going to do the previous thing. I'm going to recap for you. Joseph has had a bad time in many ways. So I had a bad day. Uh, Joseph probably got your beat. So among other things, Joseph, when he's young, grows up about your age, young teenager, growing up, and he has these dreams. We all have dreams, but Joseph's dreams are a little more important than most of the ones we have. We, we dream about, you know, eating our weight in Skittles or, you know, flying to the moon, marrying a mermaid, that type of stuff. No, Joseph's dreams are more important. And so Joseph says, I have these dreams. I think it's God trying to tell me something. And he says, you know, I've got all these older brothers, and if I'm a teenager, they're in their 20s, 30s, maybe the oldest, Reuben, he's about 40 years old. And so, look at your 40-year-old brother, you're a teenager, and he turns to you and says, you know what, one day you're going to work for me. Well, thanks a lot. Why do you say that? He said, well, I heard it in a dream, and God told me not only you, and you, and you, and you, he points to all his brothers, but mom and dad, they're all going to be working for me someday. His brothers start to, you know, not like this idea. So the first problem Joseph runs into is Joseph interprets his, these dreams, and unknowingly, he makes his brothers jealous. He's got all these brothers, you know, they're in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and they look at Joseph and say, well, who, who died and left you, boss? Well, nobody's died yet, but, you know, I had a dream. God said, I'm going to be in charge. Thanks a lot. And so uh, they start to get jealous of him, and that's his first sort of problem he's encountered. If that wasn't enough, he has another dream, same sort of thing. He says, God tells me, you're all just going to rotate around me. I'm the, I'm the center of the universe here pretty soon. You see this. And so Reuben, the other brothers, they all get together and they say, I've had it up here with Joseph. Joseph did that. His little coat. He comes over here and says, Dad gave him a nice coat and he walks out. He said, Hey, look at my new coat. Other people say that. You know, it's like a lot of people have patience. You know, they say it's getting up to here. They're like this with Joseph. They've had it. So Joseph comes out one day and they said, The next time if he says one more thing about a dream or about his coat or about Dad liking him and all this, so we're, we're, we're going to kill him. And so, yeah, Joseph goes from bad to worse. Next point, his brothers plot, and they say, we're going to see if we can get him. The next time we're alone, we're going to kill him. Can't get much worse than that. Sort of like, it's the episode of Andy Griffiths, my dad's favorite TV show, and mine, and growing up, we always laugh. They say, Ernest T. Bass is acting crazy. And they said, well, uh, what do you think we might do to calm him down? And Briscoe, Briscoe Darling comes out and he goes, well, we thought about killing him, but we sort of hated to go that far. And Andy said, yeah, that's pretty wise. We, we don't want to kill anybody. So, yeah, stay calm. But his brothers have gone past that. They said, next time Joseph says something, we're going to kill him because we've had it up to here. And so it goes from bad to worse. Next point is to go along on Joseph's story, recapping again. They say, we're jealous of him. We're going to kill him. And then Reuben says, no, i got, I got a better idea. If we kill him, then it's over, and we have no fun. You know, it's sort of like, let's stretch this out. I tell you what, we see some people passing by here, and uh, they're in the, the trading business. We're going to trade them to him. We'll just sell them as a slave to foreigners. And they're like, yeah, that's an idea. But if we kill them, we don't get any money off of it. You know, satisfaction, that's gone. Well, if we sell them, we can make some money on the beer. Yeah, not a bad idea. It might give you an idea. You know, put your younger brother or sister on eBay, see how much you can get for them. They say, oh, okay. You can't do that, by the way. You can't sell a lot of people on eBay after all. But anyway, point number three is they go up, they say, yeah, well, why, why kill them? We can make some money on this deal, so we'll sell them to foreigners. 
And to tie back to Star Wars, as you remember, little Jawas, as they come up, they, they try and buy and sell the droids and other things, and so they're foreigners and traders and pick these people up and take them to a foreign land. That's what they're going to do with Joseph. So as they push them down, get them on their own, they're like, we're going to kill you. And they say, wait, wait, let's not kill them. We'll sell them, make some money. So they sell them to foreigners. What does this mean? What they're foreigners, they're from a foreign place. Yeah, so they're going to take them to a different land, different country. So Joseph is not around people he knows. Not around even a language he may understand. And so things are going from bad to worse. Next one is to go along here. Instead of killing him, they sell him as a slave. Then what happens? Well, Joseph ends up as a slave, but all the same, he's obedient and he's trustworthy. That in itself, if we stop right there, could be a great lesson for us. You say, I work at such and such, or I do this for my parents at home, but I really hate the job. That's fine. We can understand. It might not be your dream job. You might not want, want to work at PALS for 40 years. I mean, maybe you do. Maybe that's your dream job. Maybe not. But you say, I really hate the job, but I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to be trustworthy with the job I have. So even if I don't like it, I'm going to do the best that I can at it. And that's what Joseph does. Even as a slave, he moves up. So if you work at a place like PALS or McDonald's, wherever, fast food, or you may bag groceries someplace, you usually start out at the lowest position. So the lowest position, you say, it's my job to go out in the parking lot, gather all the carts, sweep up cigarette butts, bag these groceries. Not a fun position, but after two or three years, I start to move up. And I go from one thing to the next. And you say, well, now I'm inside. So at least I don't have to be outside on days like today gathering up trash. A little move up. Then I'm going to move up to the next position. And now I'm a assistant manager, shift, and shift leader. They make up all these new terms, make us feel important. And it works. People say, yeah, I've gone from bagging groceries to now I'm a shift leader. And you slowly move up. This is what Joseph is doing. So he's being obedient. And he's being trustworthy in the small things. He doesn't like the job. And it's not even junk. He's not getting paid. So slave means what? Free labor. We don't have to pay them. And that's what Joseph is. So what's the next thing? How can it go from anything worse? Starting to build up. Next thing is he comes along. He's wrongly accused by his owner's wife. So she comes in and she tries to seduce Joseph. All this. Basically what we would say today is sexual harassment. She's constantly talking to Joseph. Say, come be around me. Hang out with me. You can come sleep with me. And Joseph says, no, I want no part of it. So he steps back, continually tries to get away from her. And she continually tries to go after him. Finally, since he doesn't go after her, she says he does. And she lies. And she said, this, this Hebrew, so she jumps sort of a racial slur, sort of like saying, oh, this guy here, that girl, we're not even giving him a name. She says, this Hebrew here, he tried to attack me. And Joseph said, I didn't try to attack him. Anybody else see? No, we never saw anything, but she did it. So it's he said, she said. And since Joseph's the slave, Things are going to continue to get worse for him. So the next thing after that, he ends up in prison. So the only thing worse than being a slave is at least you get to be out and about and work. It's to be in prison because now you're working, but you're down in a cell or you're chained up. You're not seeing the light of day. You say, Joseph, he's, he's got it pretty bad. I thought I had it bad. But no, Joseph's got it even worse. But even in being a prisoner, he's, again, trustworthy and obedient. Next thing after this, what happens? Joseph interprets more dreams about his fellow prisoners. So his prisoners say, hey, I've had a dream. And Joseph said, yeah, I, I've interpreted dreams before. So what I do, you know, some people play the guitar, I interpret dreams. And so he says, yeah, you, tell me your dream. And the guy says, well, this happened and that happened. And he comes up and he says, 
All right, let me tell you what it means. One of you, you're getting out of prison. Yes. And the other one, you're getting out of prison. Yeah, all right. Says, but after that, one of you is going to, you're, you're going to be gone. You're going to be executed. You, they're letting you out of prison to lead you down to the gallery. Well, that's not good. Another guy, you'll be free. Oh, well. Imagine the other guy's thoughts. And in the next few days, yep, sure enough, it happens. One guy's taken out to the gallows. He's killed. The other guy gets free. And as he's leaving the cell, Joseph says, Hey, remember me? I interpret your dreams. You help me out. I help you out. You let us out. All right, that'll be good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. He goes on about his job, goes back into working for the pharaohs. So he's in a great position here. Joseph says, Yes, my hard work, my obedience, my trustworthy attitude is paid off. And even the dreams that God has given me and the ability to interpret them is paid off. Great. That's where your final point is. So you say, everything sounds good now. He's gone down, 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 down. He's going to come up. Does he come up? No, the prisoner who gets out, the one who's not taken to the gallows, but lived and restored and worked in this position, forgets Joseph. Anybody ever been forgotten before? I have. I'll tell you how. I didn't drive for many years. I didn't get my license out. I was much older. Why? Because I lived in a city. I could walk places, ride the bus. And I said, hey, I'm in no big hurry. Odd, because my dad is a driver's ed teacher. That's ironic. So anyway, I would often go places or wait for somebody to pick me up or get a ride. And that was great when it worked out. But other times, if they forgot me, then it wasn't so great. Case in point, get out after band practice, go around. Got. I played small instruments. I'm being facetious here. Small instrument. I played an upright bass. Easy to walk with, right? Yeah, up this bit. And I played a baritone horn, which is like a small tuba. So I've got something this big and something that big. You can't just walk around too easily with those. So camp out, practice over, pallet, everything's sitting there. And I'm saying, okay, Rod will be here any minute. Told my friend Brandon, hey Brandon, you pick me up. I got band practice. You got this. We'll meet. You take me home. I don't have to walk and kill myself with these instruments. Hey, sounds like a plan. We got a plan just like Joseph. Got a plan. Come 3 o'clock, school's out, practice is over, 5, 3.30, 4, 4. 35, five. looking down, okay, coming along about 6, 6.15, sun's starting to go down, starting to get a little chilly, wondering where Brandon is, looking around, where's Brandon, don't know, 6.30s, you know, going on, 7 o'clock, stomach start around, so, you know, I wonder if he's coming, and wonder if I might have to set fire to this base to keep warm here soon. So I wonder what I can do. I can play, play on the street and make money. You know what I'm thinking? Then come about 7.15. Boom, pulls in. Yeah, I got home. I was, uh, you know, sat down. We ate and started playing Nintendo and all this. I remember. I was supposed to give Andy a ride home. Thanks a lot, friend. So it was not too bad. Just about four hours later than I expected. But hey, you're here. <laughs> So he picked me up, we put the stuff in the car, and went home. So I was forgotten. Forgotten for about four hours. I could write a little testimony. Forgotten for four hours. And so he picked me up and said, sorry, no hard feelings. And yeah, no, no hard feelings, Brandon. Thanks. And he took me home. But that was for four hours. What about Joseph? He's in the same situation. But the guy who's supposed to remember him, he forgets him for what? Two years. Two years. So it's sort of like, we'll see you in a little while. How long is a little while? Come uh, two Christmases from now. We'll, we'll meet back up again. Well, that's a long time to wait. 
That's what happens to Joseph. So Joseph is waiting for two years. Finally, two years have elapsed. So begin at chapter 41, verse 40, uh, verse 1. Chapter 41, verse 1. So I recapped all that. What I did is I summarized about four or five chapters and many verses here to bring you up to where Joseph is. And it took a while, but I think it's important because we paint a picture in our mind. We can picture Joseph. He's a young man about your age and of his teenage years. Instead of coming to camp, instead of working, instead of doing whatever, he has been either a slave or a prisoner. So all the time you've been in middle school or high school, those years, Joseph has been locked up in some way or form. So come Pharaoh's dreams, chapter 41. When two years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile and he has all these visions and says, I see seven fat cows and seven skinny cows and they're grazing and then see the other ones eat the, uh, the fat cow. What does all this mean? Some bizarre dreams again. And then at that time, the prisoner who got out, who's working for Pharaoh, isn't that a coincidence? No, no coincidence. God's orchestrated all this. The prisoner working besides Pharaoh says, hey, hey, he's like my friend Brandon. He said, I remember dreams. I had a dream. Joseph's telling me about it. I know God, Joseph, he can interpret the dreams. And Pharaoh says, really? He said, yeah, Joseph can interpret the dreams. Meanwhile, they flip back. Joseph's down there hanging. Okay. What are you doing? Just hanging out. Yeah. So he says, hey, Joseph, can you... We heard the guys upstairs, they mentioned your name. We were listening to the ductwork here, and they said, Joseph, come on down. So they come, pull him out, probably not being too nice to him. Most people aren't nice and in prison. So they jerk him out. They said, we got to clean you up because the Pharaoh wants to see you. And who is the Pharaoh? King. The king of Egypt. And he said, big dude, king of Egypt. Yeah, Egypt at the time was the largest empire, largest, most powerful place in the world. So it's sort of like being called to the Oval Office or being called to Buckingham Palace. He's going to a major head of state who's got a lot of power, a lot of money, a lot of influence, big military, all this. They say, we need to get you cleaned up. I'm going to shave his head so no lice, no bugs from the dungeon, strip you down, give you new clothes, and you're going up to see the Pharaoh. Why? Don't know why. They've just asked for you. So he's drug along there. He looks, there's the Pharaoh sitting up on a platform like this, and next to him is the prisoner. And Joseph looks at the prisoner. Hey, yeah, I remember you. Yeah, thanks a lot. Probably looks the same way I looked at Brandon. Yeah, I remembered you. Yeah, only two years. Pretty good. And he says, uh, the Pharaoh has something to say. Go on. Pharaoh says, I've had these dreams, reoccurring dreams, very troublesome, very strange, and I want you to tell me what they mean. Because this guy here, the prisoner, he says you can interpret dreams. And the prisoner is like, yeah, he can interpret dreams. And then right about this time, that's where you'd have a commercial break. And Joseph steps forward and says, Joseph, can you interpret the dreams? Then they give you a commercial break. So he said, what's going to happen? We'll see. But think about this. Joseph has been, again, obedient and trustworthy. And he's given us a perfect example of what Christ wants us to be. Christ is perfect. And in Matthew it says, be perfect like your Father in heaven is perfect. You say, can't be like Jesus because he's perfect. Well, Joseph is giving us a good example of how we can be like that. Because perfect is not always making hundreds on tests, getting 4.0, having the best job again, having the highest position. 
it's a matter of being holy and being like God and being the best that we can be, which means following the examples of others and ultimately Jesus. And that's what Joseph has done. So think about that as you go along. How can you improve in your attitude, in your state, in your job, whatever it is? It doesn't matter because Joseph, again, no, none of us can get, get this bad. I'm in the military and we can be captured. Then we become what? Three letters. P-O-W. Sounds cool, right? P-O-W. Pow. What's it mean? Prisoner of war. Not a good thing. And so there's that possibility that, like Joseph, I could be a prisoner in a foreign land. And get this, as a chaplain, we get special perks. We get to wear a cross on our helmet, or we get to be called chaplain rather than you know just another officer title. So it's cool, but also along with being a chaplain, if you're taken as a prisoner and you're there with us, so let's say we got this company of people they would say in the army or a squadron in the Air Force, and they say, we're all captured. Great. We're captured, we're locked up like this, and they said, we're going to release a few people so you can go, you can go and keep the over the time. Who's the last person to leave? The chaplain. It's the chaplain's job to stay with the people until everyone is sent home. So suddenly, it's not that cool to be a chaplain. But yeah, they say, yeah, if you're taken as a prisoner, can't aid the enemy, and you can't uh, fight back as a chaplain because you're a non-combatant. You're not supposed to hold a weapon. You're not supposed to fight. Your job is just to minister to people. And so as long as there are people there to minister to, you have to stay there. <laughs> it sounded cool at the first, but then not as cool. I think of things like Joseph. We could be locked up for a long time. could be there for two years, forgotten. And so there is that possibility for me or for other people. It might not be so much for you now, but yeah, you could be waiting a long time. You could encounter a lot of disappointments, false accusations, bad jobs, going from one thing to the next. And so you think about all those things going wrong. Even you could think about that today as it's raining. Not a great day. I looked at the weather. I told Uncle Paul, normally it'll say 50% chance, 20%, 32% chance, you know, all those. Today it said 100% chance of rain. So just in case you had any doubts, it is going to rain today. So you think about that. Now, I went on a trip one time. It was weather much like today. We went to Florida. Yay, Florida. Florida's fun. It can be. I went to, what's the happiest place on earth? Disney World. Disney World, yeah. Lego Land. Step on a Lego, that's not too happy, is it? Okay, so you go to Disney World, the happiest place on earth. And there at Disney, had a good old time, ride the teacups, woo, you know, go around doing all these different things. As long as you're over four feet tall and don't have a heart condition, you're fine. You know, you can have a, a grand old time. Went to a small world, see all these things, ride the rides. And I, I was probably eight or nine, so still young enough to ride the kiddie rides as well as some of the big rides. Ride Space Mountain and all that. I don't like Disney World or amusement parks sometimes because if you have glasses, you usually have to take them off. And then you start to, you know, go cross-eyed and then you're going upside down and cross-eyed and have lights coming at you. So, you know, that's not as much fun, I have to admit. But hey, at that point in time, I didn't care. Got an ice cream shaped like Mickey Mouse's head, you know. You could buy them anywhere else for a dollar. I paid $4.50 for it. So, you know, having a fun time walking around. So that was Disney World. The next day, we went to Epcot. Epcot's okay. It's sort of like Disney, but it tries to be educational, too. Nothing says fun like vacation and education, right? No. Usually when you're on vacation, you don't want to learn too much. But Epcot tries to combine the two. They try and teach you things at an amusement park. So you go sort of like Joseph from bad to worse. You know, this is fun. Uh, 
things cost a lot. You've got to take off my glasses. This ride made me a little queasy, but hey, I'm still having fun. Next day, go to Epcot. Aren't too many rides. You can't get queasy, but it's sort of boring. And then we start to see, you know, some rain clouds and stuff. They said, okay, that's that day. Finally, come the third day. We were there about four days. The third day, they said, I'm going to try something new. My parents said, we're going to go to Typhoon Lagoon. Typhoon Lagoon. A newly opened Disney water park. Uh, the Disney World, Epcot, and now we go to the water park. Hey, sounds good. First day at the water park, we were there two days. We were there four days. This is on the third day. It looked like outside today. Pouring down rain. So we all walked there. They got shorts, t-shirts on, little, little you know, inflatable arm thingies. Everybody see Waddle up there. And the guy says, okay, you take the ticket, you pay the money, punch it. We got lightning within five, so we're going to have to shut everything down. No wave pool, no slides, no nothing. Say, sorry, we're going to wait for the lightning. Wait an hour, two hours, eat our snacks, sit there. Still rain like this, just sit in for the day. So they said, you got to go home. Called off. Well, we just paid to come in. They said, I'll tell you what, we'll give you a rain delay. So they punched the ticket, gave it back. They said, you can come back, rain check, come tomorrow. I said, all right. So final day. So again, we're sort of getting bad to worse, still trying to keep a positive attitude. And the next day, finally got into the park, got to swim in the wave pool and do different things. And then they had not only a newly opened water park, but a new special attraction. You could go snorkeling. Snorkeling in salt water. Why salt water? Because they had all these creatures and things in there. Little starfish, little jellyfish, all these different things. Little things like clownfish, you see. They said, you can snorkel, go swim and look. I said, this is pretty cool. So he rode the wave pool, go down the slide. And I said, hey, things are picking back up. Can you imagine like that? Joseph said, hey, I went from being a slave to a prisoner, but now things are picking back up. And I was like that. I was all excited and swimming along. My dad was swimming with me and a little snorkel looking down. And all of a sudden, I turned and I saw a distinct fin pattern in the water. So I said, that, that looks familiar. looks like things in, in movies. And I looked over there, and a, about four feet away from me, here to there, saw this go by. And I looked, and I saw fins just like this. And I said, that's, that's not a clownfish, not a jellyfish. I said, that's a shark. I'm thinking this to myself. I'm eight or nine. Got the little snorkel on. And what would most people do at this point? I went, and sucked in a mouthful of salt water, like this, and tried to swim away. And my dad looked and saw. He shoved me out of the way, and we all crawled and scampered along. <laughs> Blood out of the water. You're supposed to swim. I said, what is that? We finally get to the other side, come out, step across a little coral there. And I said, there's a shark in the tank. And I told the guy, you know, they're sitting there like this, a little lifeguard with their whistle around their finger. Said, there's a shark in the tank. He said, well, it's just a milk shark. It won't hurt you. I thought, thanks for telling me. Nobody told me that. All I saw was, here's a, about a four-foot boy and a five-foot shark. You'd be nervous? Yeah, I would. So the shark comes out, and they're like, that's a milk shark. They won't bother you at all. I said, okay. So my last event before we got in the car and went home was taking full of mouthful of salt water, being scared to death by a shark. And now, hey, it's time to hit the road. So like Joseph, it just kept going down. Still today, I can tell that with people. I, I don't give them all the details. Say, yeah, I've swam with sharks before. We've been swimming out there. I don't tell them it was at a kiddie pool and don't tell them it was a milk shark. You just say, yeah, I swam with sharks. I've been there. And people are like, oh, really? My wife makes me tell the truth sometimes, but uh, I'll try and go and get away with it as long as I can. So, yeah, I swam with sharks. There's my story. But it went from bad to worse 
You go to an amusement park, get rained out, go there, almost drowns the shark. It, it's not going well. So it goes down and down. And so Joseph finally is in that position. Things have been going down, down. They pick up back from the commercial, and he says, we heard that you can interpret dreams. Can you interpret dreams? Pharaoh points to Joseph, and Joseph says, no. The butler behind him goes, just, you know, he's about ready to, to vomit. He says, I thought he could, and if he messes up, not only is he going to get it, I'm going to get it too. And that guy's back there, he's, he's sweating razor blades. He's like, this. He's like, he said he could interpret dreams, and now he's not interpreting it. And Joseph said, no, I can't do it. He said, I can't do it. But he said, God can. And he said, if God wants me to interpret the dreams, he will let me. If not, that's the end of it, because it's God's doing. So Pharaoh is, hmm, okay. So Joseph, again, goes to be that perfect example where he points to God. And that's what we can pick up from this. If we pick up nothing else, all the stories and different things, yes, it goes from bad to worse going down. But when you're in that position, good or bad, Point to God for help. Point to God to give him credit. You think of this, as you see, Joseph's mind's in turmoil. Lots of things going on. He's been accused of things. He's been uh, sold into slavery. Not, not minor details. These could be life-altering. He could have given up at any point in time. But continually, throughout Scripture, the verses will say, he prayed to God, or in everything, he followed God's direction, followed God's leading, and God was with Joseph. So God's with all of us, but are we seeking after Him? Are we acknowledging Him? You say, well, how do I acknowledge Him? I've got a lot of troubled thoughts. I haven't been sold into slavery or been accused of you know, uh, sexual abuse or anything recently, but uh, I've had bad, uh, bad times, you know, whatever it is. You think about your worst situation now. Just pause for a minute and say, yeah, I, I didn't feel very good at all and uh, didn't feel like God was with me. But again, just like with Joseph, God's with us. Throughout this troubled mind, throughout this troubled teenage years, time in prison, a decade or so spent locked up, he says, yeah, I can't do it. Now's his time to shine, but he says, God can. And this reminds me of something that you may encounter. Watch on TV and different things. If you ever watch TV and people come up and they run, make a touchdown, make this long shot, and they'll point like this. Other people, they'll take an either prank and they'll point and say, yeah, God's the reason I'm here, that I'm doing what I'm doing. Or other people just say, praise God. You get out of the test, you pass, and you say, hey, I passed by the skin of my teeth. As a teacher, it's never a good thing. Students will come up to me and say, what do I need to pass? I say, you need to study and do well. And they say, no, I mean, what exactly number-wise? So I can get a 69.99. I said, do anyone try and get, a, get an A? No, no, I just get that C. Good attitude. Don't tell that to your teachers. It's never fun. Now, I used to have the screen, and they'd have all the students' grades. You're not supposed to show other students your grades, but I'd cover it up and pull down. And I said, let's just play with the numbers here. I said, if you look here, you've got three quizzes left. If you make 100 on this quiz and 100 on that one and 100 on the last one, you're still going to have a 54 in the class. So what do I need to do to pass? And I said, you can't. It's mathematically impossible. You'd have to get 142 on every quiz for the next time to even pull up to a C. You're saying I can't pass? That is correct. And they go away. So they're dejected. Then other people, they come in, they're really trying. They say, what do I need to pass? Or how can I do this? You need to study. You need to focus. Continue doing what you're doing. 
and then they've taken the test and passed it. And I've caught some people as they left. And this was at a public college, a state college. It's not a Christian school or anything. And a guy came out and said, how do you think you did? He said, I think I did well. I said, what happened? He said, well, I really studied and focused. He said, I prayed too for a while. I said, it was good. I would teach Old Testament survey in college. And they say, hey, yeah. Uh, are you a preacher? As a teacher? I said, yes. And they said, yeah, well, I, I'm, you know, I'm a, a believer too. And uh, I prayed and really studied. I thank God helped me. I said, then give him the credit for it. So that's even things like that. People don't have to do touchdowns. Don't have to do anything in NBA or NFL. You just say, yeah, God's helped me to get through this, whatever it may be. And that's what Joseph does. He says, I can't interpret the dreams, but if anybody can, Joseph, uh, Joseph says, it's God. What could have Joseph have done? He could have said, yeah, I can interpret dreams. I interpreted these two guys' dreams. I interpreted dreams back with my brothers and parents. Hey, I'm the dream machine. You tell me a dream, I'll interpret it. No, but he doesn't do that. He says, God's the reason that I'm here. God's the reason that you're here, why you're listening to me. And if he wants me to interpret the dreams, that's what I can do. So Joseph is a human just like you and me. Around when this time is happening, he's around our age, give or take. So if I'm in my 30s, you're in your teens or whatever, he's about your age. He's going to be upper teens, lower 20s. He spent all this time locked up in some way or form again. And yet he says... God's the reason I'm here. God's the reason you're here and listening to me again. And he says, if he wants me to interpret this, he will. So really, God's the reason. He interprets the dreams. Here's the final end of the story. He interprets the dreams and he says, what these cows mean, the fat ones, sick ones, what this wheat means, all these strange visions. You're going to have seven good years. You're going to have great, a lot of rain, then a lot of harvest, a lot of times. Then after that, you're going to have seven bad years and a lot of drought and things. So really what you need to do is plan ahead. Plan ahead. So he says, save up your grain, save up these things, you'll be able to ride out the next seven years. Not only Egypt, but you'll have enough for everybody. So like the United States, the United States gives a lot of aid to other countries. Military again will do that. They'll say, we're going to fly you today, not to fight somebody, but to deliver these packets of food, to deliver this first aid. So that's what Joseph says. If you plan ahead, you can help Egypt, you can help Israel, you can help surrounding areas if you plan ahead and follow me. And Pharaoh says, hey, sounds like a plan. So because of this, I'm going to raise you up. You mean I get to be head prisoner now? He said, no. Better than prisoner, better than a slave. I'm going to move you up the ranks. He says, you're going to be second in charge. So number two. Who's number one? Me. Since I'm here and I inherited this from my dad and going on down, I can't give you that, but I can make you number two. He says, you're going to be number two man. Give you a gold ring on your hand, new jacket like you used to have. We're going to set you up best we can. Because why? Because you've been obedient and trustworthy in all that you've done, and you've continually pointed to this God. And Pharaoh is not a Christian. He's not a believer. He doesn't trust in God in any shape or form. But he says, You've got my attention. We begin to think more about God because of you. So there's one challenge. If you take nothing else again to say, do I remind people of God, or do I point to God? And people say, uh, maybe sometimes. The other ones, if we interviewed your teacher, you say, no, they remind me of someone else, Satan, because they act horrible in my class. Hopefully you're not like that. So you don't remind people of horrible things. You remind people of good things. You say, yeah, he's obedient in class. He listens well. She takes good notes. She does her homework. There's something different about them. And then if you were to ask him, 
why is this? You say, well, it's really God. I, I pray and it's a big part of my life. Is it a part of your life? It is a Joseph. So Joseph is the example. You say, Jesus tells us to be perfect. I can't be perfect. Well, he says, really, I want you to be holy and I want you to strive to be better and better, perfect like me, always any. And then Joseph is an example of a person just like you and me who is that one. He says, I'm going to point to God, I'm going to try whatever the situation. So whether you're at an amusement park, I'm going to see by a shark, whether you're in slavery, whatever the case, there's a wide range. You have to fall somewhere in that, whether it's a good day or bad day. And he says, I want you to focus, point to God. So think about that as we close to talk about prayer. Some people say, yeah, I never pray. I pray when I'm, you know, about to take a test or pray when I'm going to, you know, uh, feel like I'm going off the road or something. Well, you can pray at good times too. And if you're quiet and still right now, I uh, invite you to, to do that. And listen, as soon as we go along here and think about Joseph and think about his example, Paul's, and uh, listen as I pray. Dear Lord, we thank you again for the opportunity to be here. I uh, thank you for the examples you give us of yourself, how you're perfect. And you know many of us would say, well, I can never be perfect. I can never be just like that. So instead, you give us lots of other examples of people who are, who are like you in your attitude and are striving to be perfect and be holy. That's really what you want us to be. You tell us to be holy like you are. And so Joseph is a good example for us. He's around many of our ages. He's encountered many bad things like we have, and perhaps far worse than we will ever encounter. So we can't say he's lived a perfect or great life, just the opposite. He's lived a very troubled life at times. But yet even in all this, he's obedient and he's trustworthy. So I've said that many times. So... We just use that as a reminder to say in good times or bad times, we can be obedient, we can be trustworthy, and ultimately, if nothing else, we can point to God. So as we're here this weekend, very short time, but I would pray that we would uh, be reminded, like Joseph, to point to you when we need help. We point to you and say, God, help me. Help me do well on this day, do well on this test, do well on this year ahead, whatever it is, our we can say, how is it that you've done well? And when people go to ask us that, we can say, like Joseph, it's not me, it's God. God's helped me along every step of the way. So we can either point to you for help or point to you in praise. And Joseph gives us a perfect example of that. So I pray we would remember that and be perfect warriors. We're fighting in a battle against uh, evil and against bad days and all sorts of things in the world around us now but we can be perfect warriors and example just like you and just like Joseph to strive to be better and better and to continually point to God as our Savior and our leader in all that we do so may we do that may we enjoy our time now I pray that you bless us as we go from here may we uh, look forward to the activities we have to do and whether it's raining, whether it's sunny, whatever it is, we would be excited and encouraged in our time this weekend. I thank you and lift all this up in your precious name. Amen. So there's the first of three times we'll meet together. So today is uh, morning chapel, later morning. Oh.
We'll have an evening chapel and do the same thing again tomorrow. So if you have any questions, if you have any comments, whatever, please feel free to talk to me, my wife, Uncle Paul, as that is what we're here for. And I'll be glad to give you another episode just like this one tonight.